Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, this is part two of Hump Day with Swanee and Friends. This is our guest friend, Brenton Sanderson. Hello, thank you for coming in. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Nah, uh, that's, uh, are you a normal person now? Is, and is this your first year of being <laughs> normal? Civilian. Yeah, it is. It was a great year this year, actually. I, um, I felt different. Like I, I felt like I'm not different. I'm a, my, um, my stress levels and anxiety levels were very different to what they've been for the previous 30 years. Um, <laughs> and it goes quick too, right? Mm. Like, um, like 30 years, uh, I, f- I played my first game and I just turned 18 um, of AFL. But before that, I played a couple of years of s- senior footy in this NFL and and then coached, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm 48 now, so um, so yeah, 30 years at the elite level, uh, and stepped away this year, did a little bit of media stuff, which I loved, I loved, um, you know, sort of calling games, uh, and seeing the game from a bit of a different perspective, but um, yeah, this year was very different to the previous 30, that's for sure. And, and genuinely, is this your first year as just being a person? <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. so you were player, yeah. coach, yep. assistant coach, yep. you, you didn't have a... Well, it was after you became, uh, to use our, our friend Scotty Cummings' line, uh, yep. after you became a required coach at, at Adelaide, did you have a year off or not? No, no I went I went straight from, from that role. I got I got sacked as the Crows coach at the end of 2014 and then 2015 I went into the role as um, the National Academy coach or the, the head of the National Academy, which was great. I had two years there working for the AFL. So um, the under-18s, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all the... Well, actually, it actually starts, we select the kids... Or the young, the young men back then, or the young boys back then, it was um, at the under fifteen oh, championships, yeah, yeah. Uh, on on the Gold Coast. So you pick a squad of about forty five, um, and then you sort of mentor them through um, over about two and a half years until they get, well, hopefully, until they get drafted. How many of them would make it as a? Well, that's the thing when they when they get when they get selected when they first get picked <coughs> up, um, they think it's just like a golden ticket that yeah. you know you're gonna you're gonna go top ten in the draft type thing. But yeah, it's amazing how many guys um, unfortunately do miss out on on a, a draft selection or finding a yeah. club, because um, obviously guys come out of the woodwork and you you know that you know different players mid sixties and there's guys who are six foot one at fifteen and you think yeah. I, I play I play with blokes like Westman I was like this kid's gonna he's playing for country and I was like this bloke's gonna be the greatest footballer of it, of all yeah. time and then. Everyone just shoots up and goes past them, and they don't develop or grow because they've been that big forever, and they don't get a look in. Well, typically though, if if you look back at some of the previous drafts, like a, like guys like Jacob Weedering, he was mm-hmm. part of the academy. He he always finds himself to the top, you know, because in, incredible character, great skill. Um, you just know that he's going to be a top ten draft pick when you see him as a fifteen year old. Uh, but there's there's obviously players come from nowhere, and you know Clayton Oliver is a great example who wasn't part of any academy mm-hmm. and. Um, started the year playing for the Bush Rangers, and then actually no, I don't think he even made the Bush Rangers um, squad initially to start preseason for them. But then found his way into the team, and then became you know um, a top ten draft pick, and uh, you know almost a Brownlow medalist. You know he's 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 one of the most Im- you know impressive players in the AFL at the moment. But that was a great role. I really enjoyed that role for the AFL, and then I got back in um, uh, coaching again two years after that. So 2017 was my first year at Collingwood. Uh, as an assistant coach, and 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 spent spent five years at the Pies. And, and sorry, I said uh, big difference between is it Adelaide and, and Collingwood. 
Yeah, yeah. Supporters would be probably both as mad as each other, I would imagine, as Collingwood has a lot more of them. Well, I love Collingwood, and, and, and you obviously know, Swanee, like, like Collingwood is, you've got 18 AFL clubs, but like one of them is incredibly unique, and it's not until you're outside and you, you, you experience another club that you, you really understand um, the religion that is Collingwood. Um, and their supporters are incredible. And I've got, obviously, some of my closest friends and my, my, my best mates are Collingwood fans. But they are, and they won't mind me saying this, but they are so passionate that it, it is like a religion. And I know other um, supporters from other clubs who are listening to this will say, well, you know, I'm passionate about my club too. But um, actually, I've, there's, there's always a great story. Um, when, I, when I was coaching Adelaide, so, um, and Adelaide is... Is um, um, you know obviously they're, they're right behind the crows in Port Adelaide over there. They they love their footy as much as any other state. Um, so when I was coaching Adelaide, and uh, you, you you are recognisable, right? So yeah. if you're the coach of the crows and you walk down the street, mostly people know who you are without saying sounding too arrogant. But but um, I played four games for Collingwood in 1994, right? So yeah. way back when I first started my footy journey. In 1994, I played four games, so not many. And one day I was walking um, down the streets of Adelaide and this guy stopped me and said, um, oh, sorry to do this, mate, but are you Brenton Sanderson? And I thought, obviously, Crows fan. And I said, yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, how, how, how you going? And then we sort of started talk, talking footy and he goes, oh, I'm a, I'm a huge... Um, Collingwood fan. I remember those four games you played <laughs> back in 1994, <laughs> and then uh, we sort of keep sort of chatting away. And he said, "Yeah, I live in I live in Adelaide. Um, you know, I work down the docks or whatever he was doing." But, um, and then he said to me, "So what are you doing now?" <laughs> <laughs> so he he lives in Adelaide. He loves footy, and he was talking to the coach of the Crows. <laughs> but he remembered me as a Collingwood it's as crazy, a Collingwood yeah. player, and I only yeah. played four games. Like, yeah. It wasn't like I was um, like Dan Swan. So. Mm-hmm. That just shows you. That's that for me. That sums up um, how passionate um, Collingwood fans really are. You know, they're they're incredibly loyal, and they they just know their footy and love their footy. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how I got to that story. But yeah. <laughs> no. And, and speaking of being a fan, so uh, a mate of mine, Paul Hopgood, who played a uh, yep. fair bit of footy for the D's, great fella, and he, he's got a theory that it takes you as a as a the elite level takes you probably four to five years to get the shit out of your system and then you can become a fan again of, of your team. Were you able to be a Geelong fan again this year? This year? Yeah, well, that was the thing because I, I get not asked bad, a lot. Not bad timing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I, um, I spent most of my career at Geelong, yeah. so 16 seasons as a player or a coach, um, but I still had some some great memories of my time at Collingwood too. So I, I sort of had two teams this year yeah. and then I obviously loved the Crows as well. So... Um, I, I just enjoyed watching footy and I, I think my role in the media allowed me to, to really watch it up close and to analyse it and to make sure that um, I was across all, you know, strategy and structure and the way that the game had would, you know, continue to evolve. And Geelong was an incredible story. So um, it, it looked like there at one stage it could almost be a Geelong-Collingwood grand final. Should you know? have been. It would have been a better game. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, that, that, sure. that prelim final up in Sydney, you know, was that was just rocking that night. It was incredible. I was lucky enough to be there and, you know, the pies were so brave, like they were all season. And I was I just had a moment to think when, when, when I was calling the game, like, what, what if this is going to be Collingwood and, and Cats? Who am I going to support? But, yeah, my, my heart is definitely Geelong. But I do I do uh, love watching Collingwood still. And, obviously, like everybody, I enjoyed their season. And um, as much as people haven't liked Collingwood, all of a sudden there is a there's certainly a um, an admiration of the way the Pies played this year. Um, so with your media role, do you know what math science is? Math science? Yeah. No. <laughs> Dane, can you explain <laughs> what math science is? Oh, it's just our gambling show. It's, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a scientific method of how I pick. Winners. Yeah. Um, so that's just all gut feel? Basically, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Where yeah. you're just assuming he doesn't do any yeah, research? Exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's gut feel. It's gut feel. But uh, it, wor- it works. Ooh, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, Basically, like, he can smell out when someone's yeah. due or loss. Yeah. No other reason like he'll go, win. you know what? Or a win. Like, I think they're due here. We got, West Coast. Right. we got West Coast to win. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, they won us about seven in a row. We yeah. got them a win. Um, it works. You should listen. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can gamble on it now. So yeah, yeah. You allowed to punt now? I don't know. I'm too scared. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I seriously am. Yeah. I'll have a few. I mean, I love horse racing. I, yeah. I, I have a bet. Um, 
on on the horses, and I'm just getting into betting on, you know, same game multis on the NFL and yeah, things like yeah, that, so which I which yeah. I get a bit sucked into. I never. It's amazing how generous the bookies are to let you yeah. do these <laughs> yeah. bets. But um, I, f- I feel like if I could bet on AFL, that I would lose all my money. I don't know because exactly what you said, like before, as much as we think we know the game, um, there's so many twists and turns, and the romance of upsets and yeah, um, you know, but yeah, yeah. I. I I don't know if I can bet on AFL now. I think I'm too scared to. So Swanee and I both have a good strike rate. And no, neither of us go where the, yep. the media pack go. Sure. Yep. Right? Yep. So Dade goes with Gutfield, yep. which uh, there, there's a uh, – Daniel Kahneman, have you heard of him? He's got a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. He's a genius. Oh, but he, yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got a yeah. thing about the, the importance of just uh, basically why a, a chess master could walk down the street and say, move that piece there yep. and just – so the 10,000 hours rule or whatever it's yep. called, that's, that's Dane, right? I come up from horse racing yep. sensibilities. Yep. Just what's actually happening rather than all the bullshit stories and everything yep. else like that. And I think the media pack can get sucked into the stories a little bit yeah. when it comes to prediction because I often listen to you guys uh, Friday and Sunday work, for instance. On a su- I'm immersed in racing on a Saturday yep. Yep. and then I catch up on the Sunday or Monday. Yeah. <laughs> And I think these are fucking experts, <laughs> and and you'll get not you specifically, but you know, it'll be so. Colin was doing this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this is why they should take it up to Geelong. But I think Geelong will be too good. And you're like, hang on, <laughs> you've just given a reason why. Yeah, so, yeah. and Collingwood, I think, is what I'm going with is this year. All these experts saying, well, they've they've beaten the numbers. Well, you you think maybe you're all looking at the numbers wrong? Yeah, that's right. And that's the thing with sometimes data and with footy. That's is, what I'm saying. Um, yeah. It's such a random sport when you've got 36 <coughs> players on the field and they're both playing offence and defence and there's so many turnovers, so many mistakes. Um, and even – and because, you know, I was saying like Dane and I have been in that situation where you're standing in front of the goals and there's 80,000 people at the MCG and you're exhausted and uh, scores are close and you think to yourself, you allow yourself just to think for a minute, there's probably about 2 million people watching around Australia um, – and you have that thought, what if I miss? You know, and as soon as that that mm-hmm. thought enters your mind, you're, you're done, right? So, unfortunately, what all the stats don't have is the emotional impact that players feel under fatigue and duress and anxiety, stress, all those things. So, there's no stat for that. You know, yes. what if Sanderson gets the ball and it's the last quarter and they're behind? He's going to shit himself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's actually no stat that says. I mean, there probably is. Yeah. There probably is that says. You know, my my goal kicking conversion rate wasn't that good because I got too stressed, but. Yeah, unfortunately, it still comes down to, you know, what happened in the past doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen in the future. Thank you. That's <laughs> so, so so like where Sydney, yeah. have, Sydney have lost 18 times in a row to the Bulldogs. Well, yep. there's fucking no one from this 18th time ago is playing in today's game, yeah. so it means absolutely nothing, a lot of things like But there's a stat that you can back up, you know, when you come into your meetings on a Monday, all the stats of it, you know, you can show stats – for everything to uh, to show your side of the argument, yep. if you want to do, because there's just so many of them these days. Like where it's become a lot of the baseball, where it's just such a such a stat based game these days, where you know, it becomes ridiculous. Yeah. So there's my argument that a view, not argument, but a question that you know you obviously lived it as a as a young coach, and then as an assistant coach uh, post uh, both pre and post your senior yep. coaching d- days, but now a year out of the game, have you have you looking at things a little bit differently when it comes to things like data and saying, well, hang on, maybe you guys overthought it for these reasons? Yeah, I think so. And um, I don't know. I just think it, the longer you're in the game as well, the more um, you sort of analyse it a bit differently as well. And you, you're definitely right, Ralphie, when you say um, we sometimes do get a little bit consumed by what the masses think. Um, yeah. And there was a time when we used to focus on even one or two people that analyse the game and we think that that's, that's how it should be. But now there's, um, there's so many experts in the game. Um, you know, coaches come in with a fresh outlook and they do things a little bit differently. And, you know, Dane and I were just talking off air before we started, you know, um, even this new generation of young players entering the game, they, they just do things differently as well. You in know? which way? Well, number one, and this is not a general rule, but... Um, Young men now coming into the game, they're not obsessed about footy like we were, about the, the sort of previous generation. They're, they've got other things going on in life as well. They happen to be really good at footy. Yep. Um, and and it's a social media thing as well. Everyone's on the they've got a brand, yeah. They've yeah. got a personal brand that they're trying to evolve and develop. And um, But there's other things happening. There's other, there's other things in their life which um, it's not just footy, but that's not the blanket rule. But... Uh, there's also now um, a very different way to talk to young men and, and women, so boys and girls. Uh, 
Um, so feedback's really important, but it has to be positive. It mostly has to be positive, you know. There's and we've got to be careful as coaches now too. We 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 can't give the old traditional spray like we used to. And I I, I was ridiculous, victim. isn't it? Well, well, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like well, I don't know. Yeah, I understand playing like I know you're coaching local footy. That's I understand. Like blokes just want to play in the twos and have a bit of fun, have a beer. Yeah, clearly you should be coaching them different. But if you're an elite level athlete like Dave Noble going to try for, yeah, I don't know if I shouldn't get beat by 100 points. Yep. Like, unless you're GWS and Gold Coast who first come in and play 17-year-olds. Sometimes you need to be fucking yelled at. Like, if you go on Opalist, you get beat by 100 points. Like, the way these young kids are these days, and like it's not a blank rule, but I go home and tell the parents they've been yelled at, like at footy. Yeah. It's like, well, this is your job. You're a professional athlete. If you're going no good. And if you, and I think sometimes if you can't yell at them, they're going to get sacked in yeah. 12, 18 months. But why did I get sacked? You didn't tell me I was doing anything wrong. Well, so I'm not allowed. Well, I had I had um, moments in my playing career where I had a coach standing in front of me, a grown man, yelling at me so loud <laughs> and hard that his spit was landing on my face. Yeah. Now you couldn't do that to a kid. That's that's. that's and that's, you, you didn't tell Gary is to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to say any names, but also and I, I, will, I will tell you a name like Mark, Mark Thompson, who I loved as a coach. Bomber was yeah. an incredible coach. He got the best out of me. Um, one day at Adelaide, at um, Footy Park in Adelaide. He he followed me around the change rooms at half time. I couldn't <laughs> escape him. It just it was he was yelling at me in front of all my teammates. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying to get at is this generation, and they're they're wonderful, but they that you couldn't do that now. You, yeah. That would be not bullying, but I'm not sure how you yeah. classify that. But um, you have to be very different now with how you um you coach young men, and and even as when back when we played day like the, or even sort of my generation before yours, but. If the coach told you something, you, you couldn't really answer back. And uh, probably your generation well, was the you first. You could yell, st- yell at Mick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably were the first one that started to sort of answer back. Yeah, you know? but like, I mean, he's like, a bit like what you said. He used to go and go, go get some vision on Dane Swan. I don't give a fuck what it is. Or Ben Johnson. And like, yeah. he just, I don't care what it is. And he just yelled at us. My mum used to tell us, you're killing, I don't know why any of your teammates want to play with you. You're killing them. <laughs> yeah. Like, in front of them, I don't know, I played like 10 games. And they're like, my goodness. Like, I just yeah. got sprayed. Like, Coming to you at quarter time, and he made a beeline for me at quarter time and spent the whole five minutes yelling at me and then he would speak to the group. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, well, I, think, I think what I'm getting at now is these young men and and the, and the, and the girls that are entering the game as well, they probably would walk away. They're probably yeah. like, you know, I'm, I don't need this. I've got yeah. other things I can do in my life. So um, that, that, that's for me how this generation has changed. But there's a great new – and you, it's all relationship-based now. We know that. The success at Richmond – um, um, you know, a bit of Collingwood. You yeah. know, when, yeah, the when, D's. Yeah, the D's. You know, relationship-based coaching um, seems to be the answer for this new generation. But but even when you select a team now, like when the 22's picked, um, in the old days, you'd just all go home, you know. Yeah. You'd, you'd ring your dad on the way home and say, I didn't get picked this week, you know. But now the, 20, the 25 or so that don't get picked, they're queuing up at the coach's door, you know, asking, you know, what's going on? How come I didn't get it picked? And, you know, Swanee's... Not as good as me. I should be in instead of him. And so you're, d- you're dealing with a lot of um, complex personalities now. Or um, players sort of feel like they've got the right, not the right, they've got the um, the option to come in and, and, and challenge the senior coach, which is definitely not the way that I was brought up as a coach uh, when, when I was coached and then how I probably started my coaching career. Yeah, well. Even like when I was going out, like, like going out of my like 15, sort of 16, like – you know, and you were probably the same. Like, if you were a first-year player, you shut up, didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, but you had these blokes in meetings who hadn't played a game, been in the club three weeks, telling me what I should be doing on and yeah, off mate. the field. I'm like, pardon? <laughs> mate, you're 18, you've been here three weeks. Just because you beat me in the time trial gives you no fucking right to tell me <laughs> yeah. what I should and should be doing. I've been here 15 years. And, like, I don't know. I'm not sure I could play today with all that kind of stuff. No. Like, well, it's, it's a very sterile... Um, game now and I love I love watching it yeah the, the game's never been in better shape to be honest and but yeah that when you ask about how coaching's changed that's definitely coaching a different generation the, the the gen z's that are coming through now they're just a different breed and there's millions of them coming <laughs> there's millions of them entering the workforce now not yes. just in footy and any managers that are listening or ceos you know people that are employing young people now that are, that are listening today will will know that this is a, a, um, a very delicate um, employee that you now bring into your, in, in, into your workforce. That whole thing of ghosting now, you know, um, 
So for Gen Z, so a, a Gen Z's anyone born after two thousand and one or two, oh, I think, or around about that then. makes us sound old, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's so crazy. They're, so they're they're just finishing uni now, and they're, yep. they're obviously entering the workforce, and they're amazing. They're in, incredibly intelligent. They're digital based. You know, everything's fantastic about them, except they're not great with the conflict stuff. Exactly what we just spoke about with coaching. Um, so if if you've got a girlfriend, Dane, so yeah. also, let's let's say it's me. If I've if I'm nineteen twenty now, and I've got a girlfriend, and I no longer want to go out with her. Um, I'll just delete her number or block her from <laughs> my phone or whatever, yeah. um, remove her from social media, and effectively I'll just remove or ghost her from my life. So <laughs> she'll get the message just typically. But now in the workforce they're doing that too. So, Sorry, so well, imagine I'm just having flashback to our, when we would have been That's similar right. ages. It just would be, don't fucking answer that phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're even, even my age, they used to have to ring the home, home phone. phone. That's yeah. what we're saying. Flashback to dad. Hey, um, oh, like George Costanza, Vandal Industries, Vandal Industries. Is Brenton there? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> he's never here. <laughs> but yeah, so that's um, that's wow. that's the challenge now with the next generation. And, uh, and there's probably some Gen Zs listening. Um, you know, they're fantastic. They're so smart. They're going to take hard over enough. the world. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's what I'm getting at. Maybe hard enough a bit. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you you were touching on it off here. So on air, what's your, uh, what's going to be your approach with uh, Baldwin now? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to do um, some community coaching uh, in the 2023 season, which I'm really excited about. And I'm loving it so far. So um, at the moment, we're training twice a week, and the players are excellent. Um, as in their, like their just attitude to footy, they just love footy and they want to be coached. And um, they're a very successful club, so they've got a great history. <coughs> Baldwin, they've um, they've typically won the premiership most seasons, but um, it's been a couple of years now. So uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I've been approached to come and coach them, and I'm I'm loving it so far. We haven't played any games, yeah. so <laughs> our record's great at the moment. If, but if you want, uh, it'll be interesting to see how how it, how it plays out next year. This might sound disrespectful, but if you had to dumb down your coaching and your, your lessons you do because they're not in the AFL league. You don't get five days a week with them. It's just yeah. basic lame work yes and some no. full ground stuff. Yeah, yes and no. I think um, the best way to get better at footy is to play footy. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of the drills that I design are pretty much game sense, match play type things anyway. And that's what I think players enjoy. Yeah. Um, and we, we went through a stage, didn't we, Swanee, where we, you know, you hardly touch the footies at all during pre-season. You yeah. were doing all this other stuff, you know, when – Really, the only way to get better at footy, I think, is to is to practice playing footy. Um, so all those match simulation type drills I do, and you know, players seem to like that. Yeah. You think you think back when you were a kid, what did you just want to play? Like, yeah, absolutely. If you go to training, you just wanted to do running into a cone. There was nothing worse. Nothing worse. Yeah. No. So we still do some skill acquisition uh, drills, and we do a little bit of strategy and structure, but but probably not as much as what you yeah. would do at AFL level. We we have a lot of structure, and what well, we just. I don't some think basic so. Yeah. Pressing, that's about it. Yeah, just some 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 basic fundamentals. So around yeah. around offense and defense, we'll just have some basic sort of um, uh, philosophies, I guess. And yeah. we'll just but we'll just play. We've we're going to have enough talent to be competitive anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think players want to really listen to me yeah. talk about strategy too much. I think it'll just be like like you said before, turn up, enjoy training, yeah. um, play as hard as you can on Saturday, and then we'll go to the club rooms and have a couple of yeah. beers and a. And a can of meal and, yeah. and life, life will be good. Sit in yeah. a pocket? Me? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No chance. And I might, I, my, my last game I played was my last AFL game. Oh, was it? Yeah. I've Never had any interest in play? Oh, you just went straight into coaching? I went straight into coaching. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I never had the desire to go and play anymore. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like as soon as I hung the boots up, that was it. I, I had no desire to, yeah. to play anymore. I, I, I love social sport. Didn't want to play with the commoners. Didn't want to play with the players. <laughs> no. Like I'm, I'm above these people out here. Well, I, I, I tell you what happened, and this is part of my problem even now as a 48 year old. I played in a social cricket game, so I played cricket after I retired, yeah. and I dislocated my kneecap and partially tore my ACL. Oh, yeah. And then um, I was coaching, so I, I couldn't really go and have a rico. Like I, you know, all that time you got to spend yeah. in the in the in the um guard the, the big knee brace um, and running up and down the stairs at the MCG oh, for the for the coaches people don't know you've got to run up about a flight of about 150 stairs between each break <laughs> so with a torn ACL and a knee brace like, there was no way so I've, I've never had it repaired so yeah. even to this day I, I still run and I do I jump on the bike and stuff but anything straight line I can do yeah but as soon as I change direction, I can feel like I've just got this partial tear, and I know it's gonna yeah, pop some stage. Yeah, so I, w- I went and saw a surgeon. He said, "Yep, come in and we'll do a, we'll, we'll have a knee reconstruction, a 
ACL repair, and I've just I've just never done it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, my my playing days are done. So this is one of uh, Dane's favourite topics: uh, the difference between just popping into a surgeon when you're actually playing and everything gets looked <laughs> yeah. after compared to post uh, post footy. Well, I tell you who my surgeon was was the former Crows player Matthew Liptak. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, Doctor okay. Matthew Liptak, who um, who I played with. Who was Doctor Dane Swan over here? Yeah, yeah, epidemiologist. Yeah. So imagine that. Like he, I mean, that's one of the great stories. Matty Liptak. He played. Yeah. He, he was a best and fairest winner for the Crows back in the nineties. And while he was playing footy, he got his um, his his um, uh, medicine degree, yep. and then became a surgeon. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So there wouldn't be too many footballers that have become surgeons, would there? And I think I reckon he's it. Or uh, someone will someone will ring up you right. guys. And yeah. Andy McKay can do the four legged ones. Yeah, that's right. He became, became a vet. Became yeah. a vet. Yeah, but uh, yes, I went and saw Lippy, and he said, "Nah, mate, you need a you need a recap." Yeah. Oh, well, it, uh, no, so no, come back there like Dane. Just give him back to the community. No, I wish I could. Wish I could do what <laughs> yeah. Swanee does. Any, any ex-AFL players down there? Um, yep, yeah, we're in a bit of a recruiting phase at the moment. There'll be some AFL players come play for us next Anyone year. Anyone who's listening to this and wants to come down, can they just lob up yeah, on a Tuesday? Can. Come down. Or Monday, whenever come you Come down train. and we'll um, put, put you through the rigours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just brought up something that made me think. So uh, the, the AFLW, theory is an outsider. Just yep. Scoring is shit in AFLW because they're trying to get them – the coaching is, is based on elite-level men – Level, because there's no logical reason their their um, scoring shouldn't be similar to suburban and country footy. Your thoughts on that? Um, on that yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit different because I I really enjoy watching um, women's football yep. at AFLW, and if you go watch VFLW or even like community local girls, they they have a crack. They, they absolutely hit hard. Love yeah. It. Yeah. It's fantastic. They yeah. they really have a go. But you're right about, and maybe it's the size of the field or the size of the ball because we know. But like they would beat me at Glen Huntley, <laughs> the Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne, um, any AFL. Like so, the the crap local footy I played, and that's me not having got the, the my, my old mates, but in reserve yeah. footy, and we used to score 10, 15 goals a game. So there's a log, there's an illogicality that good females aren't scoring more than they are. Yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I to, <laughs> you might disagree with me, but I haven't really thought about it too much. I I yeah. know there's been some low score. I mean, most of the games are a few goals each. Yeah. Doesn't really bother me that much, um, but I know. No, in, it doesn't matter. In, but I'm in just the saying, perfect why? world, yeah, it yeah. would be you know twenty five goal, twenty five goals each or something, and it'd be high octane offense. And but whether they, I know they use a smaller size ball. Mm. I think they use a size five, right? Um, which obviously helps. Maybe the ground should be smaller. Maybe there is obviously less players on the field, which can help as well. More more space, but um, yeah, I, I think the game will just continue to evolve and get better and better. But you'll probably deal with that at local footy. You'll think. Well, I know what strategies I can shut the game down with, but maybe these guys yeah. just want to play yeah. and be attacking. Yeah, you know, you're right. And I know, um, I mean, it's, I know a lot of guys, a lot of my mates, yeah. they don't watch much AFL, but they love going to suburban footy. Yep. They love being up close, sitting on the fence, having a few cans. And, um, and you know, the standard's pretty good. There's it is. Some, there's some really good quality players out there playing local footy, and that's what they want to do. They um, they want to work on the on during the week is whatever they want to do, whether it's in... Banking and finance, whether it's um, uh, being a tradie or whatever, or and then just playing local footy and having a, having a beer afterwards. I, that's that's what they love, and there's a lot of supporters and of of footy that love doing that too. They just they don't really want to go and spend a hundred bucks each yeah. day at the MCG. They they just love going and having a couple of cans on the on the hill and watching their local team play. And and there is some really good footy, like I said, being being played at community level. Yeah, and I've obviously I've done the the rounds the last year or so. And like oh, when I go to these, I understand that like the president of that football of Baldwin or president of Uranium or president of wherever, I love that footy club just as much as Ed loved Collingwood and like the they all have volunteers who put in yep. all their time and effort and they bleed their local footy club just as much as Collingwood supporters bleed them and it's like the lifeblood of some communities. You go out there and they just eat, sleep and breathe their football netball club. So. Um, yeah, I know how much it means to the people who go and watch their local club. They might be two hundred, but that's yeah. under their rain, hail or shine, and they're supporting them through the down times or all the good times. So, um, and we we're saying before that how COVID fucked a lot of football clubs over the last couple of years. So it's nice to see the footy clubs going back and slowly, you know, getting better and better. And um, you know, f- suburban footy, I think, is is alive and well. At the well so I think one of my one of my desires to get back into community level when I stepped out of AFL. Um, I remember as a kid uh, watching my dad play. Blackwood in the Adelaide Hills, um, and that was a good brand of footy. It was a lot of good 
um, footballers playing in the in the country footy league, and for people in in Adelaide would know the Hills Footy League is just big, tough, you know, farmers, you know, the boys from out in the bush, um, and it was great. Um, and I used to play in the you know in the under seventeens in the morning, and the nineteens would play, and then the reserves, and then the and then the seniors. So I used to run the boundary or do the scoreboard in the afternoon when and watch my dad play, and I obviously idolised him and watching him play. And then after the games, we'd go into the rooms, and the kids would all be running around and. Um, you know, you'd be if you're lucky, you got a can of coke or something. You know, or um, but they they were my fondest memories growing up as a kid was was watching my dad play. Um, yep, community footy. So I think that's obviously the appeal for yeah. a lot of people as well is getting down to their local club. And then if you've got kids, the kids can just run around and watch you play, and um, obviously get up close and personal. But the game, like I said before, at, at the elite level, it's a bit more sterile now. You can't really. You know, bring your kids in the rooms before the game, yeah. and you know, um, past players can't just wander wander in. <laughs> no, well, they can, no. they can, but then there's not really you don't really go anywhere afterwards. You know, and yeah. you hear some of that um, those guys that played in the eighties and set well seventies and eighties and even the early nineties. They talk about going back to the disco back at yeah. like so. If you, if you played St Kilda at St Kilda at Moorabbin, there'd be a there'd be a huge party there afterwards. So the you know the St Kilda boys would go would play, go and get changed, have a drink, whatever. Then come upstairs to the St Kilda Disco and it'd just be pumping. Yeah. So you can imagine like Tony Lockett and Rob Harvey and those boys coming up into there as gods. <laughs> and there's, there's people no. everywhere like that, that, that. Those days of footies are, are, are gone. So now like Collingwood will play the MCG, then they let the driver walk back across the road to um, to the um, Lexus, uh, yep whatever it's called yeah, now it's, um, it's HIH or something like that. It's called the HIH. Anyway, Something wherever, like, yeah. yeah, wherever. Yeah. No one yeah. needs to do the injury report. Wherever, wherever they train, yeah, and um, <laughs> but they'll have an ice bath and they'll yeah. have a they'll have a meal like um, a chef know. cooks a pro- no, <laughs> no hot dogs and yep. no <laughs> yeah, no party pies and definitely no alcohol. And then it's yeah. the boys will just go their separate ways, you know. Yeah. And that that's happened pretty quickly. But that's the professional nature of sport. That happens in every elite yeah. level sport around the world, of course. But yeah, there is a romance still of. Um, of that community footy feel and and being involved at that at that level. Well, they used to um, they used to go have beers with the umpires, like you know, yeah. like beer, two sides of the umpires and local footy. The umpires come in, have a beer, and I think in special this year in the league when they you know you couldn't like wave your hand, flap your hands like a bird, otherwise you'd be fifty. <laughs> well, I, I think going and having a beer with the umpires would humanise them, and then you you could have conversation. I, I still think the best way for to interact with the umpires is to be human, like chat with them, and the umpire could go back. Oh, if you have a couple of beers with them, you get to know them, and you go, Barry, man, that was a shit decision. And, man, we just fucking focus on getting a kick, mate, because yeah. you're not get one at the minute. You know, and just humanise them. Then you can have a rapport with them, and then like I think that makes them easier to deal with instead of treating them, isolating them on an island and not being able to talk to them. And as soon yeah. as you talk to them, 50 for descent, where I think you should be able to converse with them because they're, they're human yeah. and they make mistakes and they... Is, that's my opinion anyway. There's a career for you as a diplomat. Oh, <laughs> is it a good I'm earning it? for me phone call. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. It's a good earning it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Um tell us about the the Pies period as as assistant coach there at uh, so you just missed the grand final and you had the craziness of the covid era as well. Yeah, no that was I think any I mean no one escaped covid, right? Like it was that was a tough couple of years for everybody and we've all been impacted I think in our own separate individual ways and and footy definitely was tough. Um a lot of people lost their jobs yep. and those that kept their jobs um took significant pay cuts too. Um, but yeah, I feel grateful that we were able to still get 
couple of seasons through, as, as hard as what that was. The um, how was it for you personally with your like family life and everything else? To, to give us some um, insight. Well, at the start when it first hit, when we didn't know what was happening, right? Like, so COVID was the great unknown, and we all got stood down. So we, I remember, it was round one, twenty twenty. We played the Bulldogs on a Friday night, and we won. Yep. And then we got called in on Sunday, and we all got stood down. We all lost our jobs. So we played it. We played on Friday night, and then on the Sunday, in, in front of a crowd. Or, or? Uh, I can't remember. I reckon no. Yeah, memory says no. I've got a feeling yeah. no. Yeah, and then so then on Sunday it got so serious that we went. That's when all thing, all the lockdowns and everything started, and we um, we all got told um, no pay and no no job for we don't know how long. So um, as we all know, and you've got a young family and you've got a mortgage and you got bills to pay, that was the great unknown. So for a few months there, it was horrible. Um, then there was. Uh, Obviously, the, the Brains Trust got together and they developed, you know, we can still get some games played in this bubble in the, obviously, the, the hubs and the hubs were created. And luckily for, for Collingwood and my family and most of the clubs, um, our families were allowed to join us. So um, it was before one of, the, it was like our second or third lockdown or whatever. I remember we, we got a phone call at like 4am on a Sunday morning and they said, um, uh, we've got to get out of Melbourne before the lockdown, before the next lockdown. Huh. It was going to be like 9am on that Sunday morning was going to be the next lockdown. Yep. So we, we all got to the airport and we all flew out. I think we went to Sydney Including first. your family? No, our right. families weren't, weren't involved in that. So we went what we thought would be for three weeks. We went to Sydney and we played GWS, I think, and then we played someone else in Sydney. And then it got worse and worse here in Victoria. Um, and obviously we're in full lockdown. So then... We didn't come home for like another four months or something. Like so, uh, we packed for we packed for three weeks and then we didn't come home. Um, our families were then invited up to the Queensland hub, but that's when they had to do the two weeks quarantine. So they they, they flew to Queensland and they were in a hotel, which you know a bit like the size of this room. For the listeners, there's no windows, no door, <laughs> one, one door and no windows. And they were there's my, a reason to cool and they don't yeah. want to hear the shit we yeah. speak. <laughs> so um yeah, all, all the families went yeah. through that, but then that was awesome. Well, we were in a, we were in this great community um, on the Sunshine Coast in yeah. in Queensland. Uh, we had um, North Melbourne, Essendon, Melbourne, Collingwood, and the Melbourne Storm. Right. So we had five sporting clubs and their families in um like a tr- like the Truman World type um, <laughs> you know bubble where yeah. we couldn't leave. There was like a perimeter. We had access to the beach, which was good. We could we could go down this little laneway to to um to the local beach, and yeah, it was great. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner provided for us for for, for sort of three months, and the footy season got underway. And then luckily we we came out when the season finished, and we came out of lockdown. I got my car. Um, uh, the family car got delivered up to Queensland, so we got to put it on the back of a trailer. It cost us about eight hundred bucks, I think. Yep. Uh, that got delivered, and then we drove from Queensland back home to Victoria, um, and we we just stopped at Caravan Parks or we had cabins and. And you so got young kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my kids are um, nine, seven, and four. So back then they were they were you know three or four years younger, um, and that was awesome. That was a great way to see to see Australia. So we we drove down that coastline of New South Wales, which is beautiful, and then cut back in. Had a couple of nights in Meetung, um, out in out in Gippsland, and we just timed it almost like the day we arrived back in Melbourne. The, the lockdown was lifted. Right. But we just, like you saw, like in, I don't know where you guys were, but Victoria, yeah, we were here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Victorians were deeply impacted, right? Like that was, that was the winter of, the, yeah. the winter of 2020 was just, was just horrible. It sounds made up, like, young kids won't believe you in 20 years. Like, yeah. We have to get out because the whole state was going to be locked down. There was a perimeter around us. We couldn't do anything. Couldn't yeah. leave your house. Like. You could leave your house for 30 minutes, right? Yeah, an hour could, a day You couldn't go further than 5Ks. Yeah. yeah. Between 8pm and 5am, we lost the curfews. Like, yeah. People won't believe you in 20 years. You're like, that, that, that didn't happen. So yeah. playing, like, it's fucking People incredible were impacted, right? So we, oh, we, yeah. we, we drove back into Victoria. I mean, you know, you, the, the lockdown was lifted and people yeah. were able to... I still can't remember the rules exactly, but you could visit people's houses mm-hmm. again, but not, I don't know, maybe you only can only have one family in your house, no. any, any, all that yeah. stuff. 
<laughs> all that stuff that was made up. And everyone, all your neighbours are white and pasty when you go, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh people were bitter with us because be we, like like <laughs> yeah. we came back with tans. We came back with beautiful tans and all my kids were brown. Yeah. Like been, been so, and then every, we're like, hey, and, hey and young. And smile. No yeah. one smiled anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone was hating us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that's a very long answer to your no, question about that. Uh, but that was the, the, COVID, the COVID system in the AFL and, you know, but I, I loved my time at Collingwood. I said to Dane before, it's an incredible club. The people that um, are at the club, but also to the supporters, are just a re- are really special. So it was it was an interesting five years. There was some challenges there, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy to step out now and look at it from like you said before, Alfie, like from a, a bit of a different lens. You, you get to go to good functions like the Irvine Club and. Yeah, how good was I that day? You, you did a good job, yeah. yeah. And the, uh, how, how many times have you talked about the Irvine, the Irvine Club on here? Plenty, uh, a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, those boys do an incredible job. They you should do. be, you should be, and in all seriousness, yeah. should be congratulated for the hard work you put in. Brian for, Lara surprised me so much. This was uh, from uh, yeah. that, that charity, the uh, uh, so Will's Army. Yeah. Is it Will's Army? Is yeah, Will's Army, yeah. yeah. Uh, a phenomenal. But he just embraced it the day like a superstar. He'd Brian Lara. Over I, and above. Obviously, I've, I've, I, I do like cricket. Yeah. Um, so, But to meet him and to hear him speak and his stories were next level. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> And he did the stories for a bloke's function. Yeah. 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 And obviously nicknamed the Prince. And I, I, I'm guessing that he's nicknamed the Prince because Bradman's the king. Is that right? I think so. I so think Bradman's so, yeah. the king and he's the Prince. He's the second best yeah. batsman of all time. <laughs> But I think he's a bit of a prince off the field no, too. I was going to say, he would have done some damage. He would have done some damage. Well, I'm not sure. Day. I was just guessing that's where the nickname came from, <laughs> the, the prince. So. And someone, will, someone will ring up and yeah. they'll send you a, an email about why his nickname is yeah. the prince. But he was the, he's got the highest test score of all time. Yeah. And yes. the highest first class. He was happy to talk about it, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More than happy to talk about it. Was 400? No, 500. 500. Yeah. 501. 501. So he yeah. had a nickname Levi's for a while. Le- yeah. Levi's 501. That was his, his highest ever first class score. Yep. And he had the highest test score, which I think was 375, and then Matty Hayden beat it. And then I think he Lara went out and beat it again. <laughs> it's Fle- yeah. F- Flemo's MC, and he said, Matty Hayden beat it against the power of Zimbabwe. It didn't rate it. Um, so, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, so we, we, we convinced your mate Nathan Buckley to, to lower his standards and joined us a few weeks yep. ago. And that was a very fun dynamic with him, him and Dane, Dane together. As uh, How'd you become mates? Because I know you've been asked a million times, but it's, it's, and it's a good friend. And why are you friends with Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we, we were, um, uh, we used to play against each other in the SANFL. Yeah. So, um, you know, Bucks was a, ve- we know he's a very, very good player and was a great um, player at Port Adelaide in the SANFL. When I was playing for Sturt in the SANFL, um, and then he went and played for the Brisbane Bears back then, um, and I played for the Crows. But then I got traded to Collingwood after one or two years, and he came down to Collingwood from Brisbane after one year, and we met um, somewhere in Adelaide. We might have been um, Lenny's or one of the one of the pubs there, and and um, I said, "I, oh, you know, I'm going to Collingwood. You're going to Collingwood." Maybe we should live together. So we, we oh. lived together for 12 months and then I got... I got I'm got. i not picturing Honorage here, Dave. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, How got, was that? I got, sacked, um, <laughs> I got sacked again and then we ended up at Geelong. Yeah. But for that one year, that no, was awesome. And, um, and like, Bucks was so serious. We know he's a competitor. Breaking news. But we are still, like, great mates today. So yeah. 31 years later or 30 years later, we, we, lived, we lived together 28 years ago. So... Um, but we had fun, like we, and not probably fun like you had. Been, but we had, <laughs> we I had played good cards. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I need to ask you this: Dane's got an objection to people doing pre preseason. Yep. Just explain that, please. Well, it's it's an off season for a reason. I think <laughs> getting fit for the preseason. Yeah. Know. Well, I, I think if you come out and run, and I understand for the young kids, you need to impress. Fair enough. But for like senior blokes. You need some room for improvement. If you come out and run a PB day one, you got five months. I think the only thing you can do, you're going to de- you're going to decrease. You're going to get hurt, or you know you can't run a five minute thirty two k. So eventually, there's a limit. So I think your off season's mental refresher and a physical refresher. Then when you come back, obviously you do a little bit, but you don't want to run. You know, you say two k. You don't want to run six minutes ten. You run seven minutes, <laughs> and then when you do your first one after Christmas, mate, you run that six twenty. You've taken forty seconds off. Everyone else has taken four seconds off. <laughs> Who looks better? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to argue against you <laughs> because, and I'll just go back to Bucks there for a sec. So we, and the thing that I, which blew me away with him as well, is we would do pre-season training. We'd go to, and this was when we used to train after after hours because we had jobs. Yeah. 
Um, what did you do? I was, a, I was a gym instructor in Doncaster. That's <laughs> 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 about as smart as I, as I could be. But then I got my commerce degree and I yeah. got all that afterwards. But um, but we used to do pre-season training and we'd finish at like 7.30, Stay by day. Stay yeah. by. And then we'd get home, have dinner, and then Bucks and I would go to the park and we'd do more training. We'd actually that's train post more. preseason. Yeah, no, that's not. Good. Yeah, that would be actually after it. <laughs> Under we'd, lights, we'd go and kick. We'd go and kick at the park for like another hour or something. Is yeah. that from? Is that your direction or was that Nathan's? <laughs> no, that was his. That was his. <laughs> that's a surprise. surprise. But but um, I wasn't that good. But I ended up playing two hundred AFL games, two hundred nine AFL games. But I, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't do all that extra stuff. Yeah. So I think I, I, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you because I think there's people with talent. Um, and they've just got talent. But there's people like me who didn't have that much talent but had to work so hard just to compete with guys like you, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would have, if I had your attitude... Just rolls yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know yeah you, I, I know you want to, uh, you're a great player and you want to mm. brownload, but if I had your attitude, I probably would, wouldn't have played more than 10 yeah. games. And then I say if I had, like... Your attitude, I probably wouldn't have played really <laughs> because you mentally, like, mentally, it would have burnt me out. Like yeah. I, I couldn't have, like, gone to the park. I, I trying, I couldn't have gone to the park. I've said, I've, I've had enough. Like yeah. I couldn't have, I couldn't have done. You wouldn't have enjoyed the game, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have said, no, I, I hate this. So, yeah. you know, you maybe could not have trained the way I did, but I couldn't. I certainly couldn't have done what Nathan done because I just yeah. would have been. I've, I've had enough. I would have burnt out early on and said, no, nah, no. Nah, nah, well, there's definitely an argument both ways, and there's players in the modern game even now who have. The Dane Swan approach to preseason, like Stevie Johnson yeah. um, from Geelong, you know, who won a um, three three premierships. He's taken that approach to his after football <laughs> yeah. career too, as it appears. Well, he, he, he's a Norm Smith medalist, yeah. you know, and he's a three time premiership player and an absolute superstar. Yes, mm-hmm. but he went to the Dane Swan school of <laughs> this yeah. is how you got to approach preseason. But Jizzy trained hard, and that's and we you should also and you probably won't admit this, but. Like Dane Swan, train when you train, you train hard, right? Like yeah. so, you. Um, I remember I actually asked you about this one day when I was maybe coaching. Is he was one of the hardest trainers, and he was he would play it down now. And so I didn't do any extras and I didn't do anything in the off season. Yeah, but when it was time to train, he was. And I'm I'm looking at Ralph and I'm pointing at Dane. <laughs> um, he he was a you were a bloody hard trainer, and I know that for a fact. Mm. And don't don't say you weren't. <laughs> But I know when it was time to relax, you relaxed. Yeah. And when it was an off-season, you had off-season. But, exactly. um, but yeah, if any young aspiring <laughs> AFL players are listening to this... Don't do as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, Dane Swan trained and played super hard. Like You, you, you redlined that every time you trained and played. Yeah. But you, when, it was, when it was the off-season... I like to off-season. run in the off I like What I like to do is I like to train in the altitude room and the heat room because <clears throat> for me, I thought my touch wasn't a huge... Think for me, I didn't feel like I needed to go out and have a hundred kicks or fifty handballs off the the, the bouncer or whatever you yep. call it. I felt for me, my game style was based on like interval running. So I'd go in the altitude room, run forty minutes. I'd do you know on max speed on the tready, do 100, 200, 300, 400. So I thought that was the one where I was like, "Yep, now I've got the running my legs to touch." I couldn't. I probably should have spent more time because I couldn't really <laughs> kick it. So I probably should have done some more kicking. But that's where I felt I needed to yep. to work to to get the Mental, mental part right. so, so flip forward years later Your relationship with, with Bucks You're still friends But you're in a coach's box I reckon that would Test friendships at times uh, Yes and no Actually um, I looked it up the other day Because I, w- I couldn't remember But I think we only played Against each other I only coached Adelaide For three years And yeah. I think we had Four games against Collingwood In that time And I think the record is 2-2 Sorry, I meant sharing a, as assistant coach, and you know, you, oh, you, sorry, you didn't yeah, want to sorry, you have a little bit more leeway because your yeah. mates are going to go bucks. Fucking relax, no, but, mate. You're wrong there. No, <laughs> no, I, no. I actually, and I had a, I had a serious chat with him because he was harder on me. I felt than any oh, other, yeah. any other yeah. coach. Like he had, because we were mates. He was, he probably had felt he had the green light to just have a crack at me. Yeah. In in the coach's box, so I said to him, mate, mate, like, you know, I know we won today or we lost, or whatever, but you don't have to yell at me in front of all the other guy. Like, just yeah. treat me like I'm a normal coach. Don't treat me like your mate. So, um, but we, we, I mean, you think, if you had a job where you could see your best mate every day, um, 40 hours a week, like, it was good, you know. We, we, didn't, have, we didn't have to socialise that much. We still did. But um, it, was, it was cool. Like, it was, it was great to be able to spend that five years. And we got so close to a flag in 2018. Mm. That would have been great. That was obviously the, the reason that I came back with him and coached was, you know, it was that that um, ambition and desire to try and win a premiership together. So, so I heard an interview with Stevie Van Zandt from uh, people known from The Sopranos, but obviously Bruce Springsteen's 
uh, guitarist, and he he came from from the uh, Brooklyn, no, not Brooklyn. Anyway, from the uh, New York with with Bruce, and he he was promoting his book, and he said, everyone, when you're a superstar. You need someone from back in the days to be be with you because at least whatever conversation you have, you know it's it's real. And, yeah. and did you have a bit of that sort of relationship with Nathan? Yeah, I still feel I felt like I could challenge him, but still in a professional sense, yeah. even though we were still mates. So, um, and that's the role of assistant coaches. You've got to be you've got to go to the senior coach say ten times with um, a different way to do things or a better way to potentially attack things knowing that he's probably going to say no to nine out of those ten. But that's your job. You've got to, you can't be a yes man and sit there like a puppet and just say, yep, whatever you think, we're going to do. And so you've got to have a comfortable relationship enough with the senior coach that you can go to him and say, have you thought about doing this a different way? You know, have you thought about playing Swanee across half back? You know, or should I'm we sorry, you just gave me flashbacks of working with Ed because that was your job as a producer with Ed. Yeah. And Ed had a forward defence too, as, as Dane's often Yeah, said. yeah. So quite often, yeah, he would say, nah, thanks, you know, yeah. we're going to keep doing it this way. But um, a lot of coaches and a lot of people out in out in corporate world, um, they'll never go to their boss with um, a different way to do things. They'll just sit back and quite often they won't, um, they won't have success because – just sit there as a as a puppet as a yes man so um yeah I, f- I felt like i had that relationship that i could go to him but he had a, he had a, we had a you know really good group of coaches justin longmuir who's now coaching um uh, frio rob harvey um hayden skipworth you know there's been a lot of good coaches come through that sort of collingwood program that have gone on to better things did you have similarities with him in that you both got the job at a very young age relative to what basically now yeah. required as a senior coach? Yeah, but that was the thing. I, I got the Crows job when I was 38, so 10 years ago. Um, Were you ready in hindsight? And what, oh, no. what was your mindset at no, the time, no though? Way. No way, but I thought I was ready, yeah. yeah. I thought I was ready because I'd had five years as an assistant coach. Geelong had won three flags. Um, we'd been in four grand finals. Um, had a very good squad. Um, so I sort of felt like I'd experienced enough that I knew but you never really know what's around the corner and the things that I had to experience at Adelaide. You know, we had the death of Dean Bailey, which um, nothing can prepare you for that when one of the assistant coaches passes away with cancer. Uh, we had all those draft sanctions when Kurt Tippett um, left for the Swans. So we had we had no access to the draft for two years. Um, so we had all those, you know, te- Tex Walker, our best forward, blew his knee out, missed the whole season. So you, you sort of think that you're ready for everything that, that footy's going to throw at you, but... There's so many challenges along the way and um, a lot of those I, I handled okay. A lot of them I handled really poorly. Uh, if I had my time again, I would do things very differently. So um, so I think on reflection, yeah, I probably wasn't quite ready and um, there are young coaches who come in, like Chris Scott's a great example, uh, gets the job as a 36-year-old, I think, um, and still coaching now. Yep. Would you, you go, would you go back if you have... Win the flag this year, ball one, and someone around goes. We want you to be a senior coach AFL level. Would you do it again, or have you, no, you're out? No, you're that's out. it for me. Yeah, no. No, I'm out. Only, only because um, a little bit like what I said before about this, these Gen Zs coming through. Yeah. With um, I've got other things in my life that I'm that I'm really passionate about, and um, and one of them is my young family. And one of the things that unfortunately professional sport, if you're a coach or a player, is you're now an easy target, um, and we know social media and the access that people have and uh, you're really in the spotlight and that's um, – I just didn't enjoy that and I'm still quite uh, private, like personal, and I've got three young children which – not that I want to protect them, but I would never want them to have to defend me, um, uh, you know, at school or yeah. with their mates or whatever like that. And I, I, I had that my, – my son's um, my son's in grade one this year um, and he was in prep obviously last year. So this is a six-year-old kid. And he actually said to me one day when he came home from school, he said, oh, Dad, are you shit? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't think I'm shit. And he said, oh, one of the boys at school said to me today that his dad said you're shit, as in me. So that's a prep, you know. Yeah. And so I can just imagine, that's an, that's an assistant coach. So I would have been coaching Collingwood then in whatever role I was doing, coaching yeah. the forwards or whatever. I probably was shit, to be honest. But, um <laughs> But then once again, so like, like I said, I, I'm happy with now the direction I'm taking. I've got a great role at Mentone Grammar, which I'm which I'm going to start as director of sport there. I'm going to do some coaching at Ball, and um, I'd, I'd like doing a little bit of stuff in the media, a little bit of consulting in the corporate world, which is great fun and working with some great people. So I, I just don't like the 
and coaches are crazy, right? Oh, you got to be mad. Every yeah. coach is crazy. When you look at him and you think, God, he's crazy. And there's a reason because he's stressed. Yeah. He's under enormous pressure and it just impacts your... The hours you put in. It impacts your private life, your, yeah. so, your, your, um, your family life. And you've got a small window with your children when they're young and um, I want to be around them. I want to be, I want to be the best dad that I can be and ensure that, um, that I'm around um, from, from a family. And I just said, I'm going to be busy next year, but I'm, I'll always have time for my family. But as, being a senior coach at AFL level, yeah. it's impossible to have balance. Um, and I know the other 18 coaches will tell me something different, but um, they are lunatics. They yeah, are right. absolutely <laughs> lunatics, those coaches. <laughs> yeah. All right, just for a bit of fun, play the hits. Um, so you're one of the few, along with Dane's manager, manager uh, Liam Pickering, yep. to have played with both ablets. Uh, reflections on, on them? I well, actually played with three ablets. Oh, of course, yeah. I, I was. I think there's only four of us to play with three. But um, who would be the others? Benny Graham, Ben Graham, Peter Accardi, Darren Milburn, and right. myself. Yep. I think were the three. Were the four of us played with um, Nathan Ablett as well. Um, and he could have been a superstar. Uh-huh. Yep. And he. I mean, he's a Premiership player. He yeah. kicked, kicked two goals in that grand final. Um, whatever year that was. Uh, but yeah, he, he was. He was a really good. So player. you turn up and play with senior. At the yeah. probably his last great year actually ninety five wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was he was unbelievable, and he he um, had Swanee's approach to training. Like <laughs> he um, <laughs> didn't train much. No, I just said that because you were a great yeah. trainer. But um, freak, like a, he he kicked a hundred goals one the, the year I was there, and um, I've never seen anything like it. And the comparisons, Gary and Senior, I yeah. would probably probably say Senior. Look, Gary trained a lot harder than what Senior did uh, in, in the times that I saw, but. Yeah, they were both. I mean, probably two of my favourite players of all time. Um, See the best you've seen. Gary Senior is the best I've seen. Yeah, um, and probably Gary Junior would be close second. Um, I loved. I loved Jimmy Bartel. Yeah. I loved watching Jimmy Bartel. I loved coaching him and watching him play. He was uh, instrumental in those. I mean, every player was in that Geelong era. Um, but yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to have both ablets. I've got. I've got an old VCR cassette tape at home. That's got um, some vision of me kicking the ball at the MCG to Gary Ablett Senior comes out and takes a mark. So I want to keep that <laughs> yeah. forever to show my grandkids and my great grandkids because that's pretty to say that you kicked the ball to Gary Senior. His, his approach to research wasn't probably overly huge. No, he didn't, didn't know anyone that played <laughs> AFL. He didn't even know his own teammates. <laughs> names. Um, do you want me to tell any of those stories? Yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some great stories of that. Um, there was one when we were playing St Kilda and. Gary Ayres said to him, um, uh, Gaz, you'll be playing on um, Shanahan. Toby Shanahan, yeah. yeah. And Gaz said to him, I don't know who that is. Right? So he said, <laughs> he said, um, Ezzy, just give me numbers, not names. That was the famous. <laughs> so he said, you'll be, you'll be on number one. <laughs> number one's going to come pick you up. Yes, um, but and the other played one played on him about eight times previously. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He would play on him every time they played St Kilda, so he still didn't know who he was. He probably knew Silvani though, because I mean yeah. they were they were great matchups. Oh, Silvani yeah. versus um, Ablett. But the other one, um, and you talked about the young kids doing preseason, and they'd been there for three minutes. But unfortunately, the, um, a young Geelong player called Jared Bennett. I think you know. Yeah, really well. he, yeah. tell, he tells us. Yeah, yeah. So Jared Bennett tells a story all the time. He did his knee early in the season that he got drafted. So um, did his ACL up at the physio. This is the old days when you had to drive to the physio. They weren't at the club. And um, Jared Bennett's in there getting his knee looked at by the physio and Gary Senior walked in. Um, and Gary Senior's talking to him about his knee and, oh, you know, so unlucky, mate. You know, knee injury is part of footy. And then, um, so they're actually teammates, right? So <laughs> Gary Senior and Jared Bennett are teammates. And then so halfway through the conversation – Gary Ablett Senior says to Jared Bennett, so who do you play for? <laughs> <laughs> this is after about 20 minutes of talking about his knee injury and footy. And he goes, mate, I play with you at Geelong. <laughs> I'm actually one of your teammates. But, yeah, absolute freak, Gary Senior. And like I said, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to play with him. Um, Benno's got one of the great sorry. debuts of all time. Which Play, is? Played on Matty Lloyd. And? 14. 14? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, he's very stiff. He goes, oh, 14 of the best. He goes, you're out of fist in all the time. He goes, mate, he's just, he was just at his peak. He's just at his peak. He goes, 14 of the very best. Yeah. Great great guy, Jerry. He is better, yeah. Uh, your, your first game, I'm looking at some of the names apart from Pickers. Uh, Ken Hinckley, uh, obviously, yep. gone on to be a coach. Benny Graham, uh, we've had him. Lee Colbert, 
Yep. See, two pilots in the one team, that, that would... Well, he actually inspired that. me a little bit, um, Colby, because yeah, he, he was one of the first AFL players to get his pilot's licence, and then Licker obviously did yeah. when he was at Collingwood, uh, Paul Lecuria. But, um, yeah, I was... Um, I don't know, I was always into aviation, and then Colby got his licence, and I heard that uh, Licker was getting his, and I thought, why not? So I used to drive down to Moorabbin um, once a week and have, have a lesson, and... Two years later, got my got my private pilot's license. Can you still is, use it? Could you, could you fly yeah, yeah. now on your own? Well, no yes, yes and no. It, it expires every three months. You got to do three takeoffs and three landings every ninety days. Right, yeah. Um, and I haven't done that, so I've. It, it, it's like your car license. So once you've got it, you've got it. Got it. So you could you could you, could you trust yourself to get up and yep. fly up and down right now on your own? Yeah, and I can take With your family. I can could, take the four you, of us. Yeah. yeah, I can. So I'm, I'm only endorsed for single engine four seats. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I can't charge you to. So I've signed my private license. I'm not commercial, uh, but yeah, the four of us can go for a, lost yeah. go for a, no go for a flight. Yeah, <laughs> fly down to Phillip Island or something. Yeah, or, um, beautiful. Good, yeah. <laughs> and if you lined up your teammates from your first game and said someone's going to have a media career for the next 25 years, would Billy Brownless have been your <laughs> first choice? <one? laughs> <laughs> Billy Brownless, yeah, he's a star. What was he like as a teammate? Oh, he was. I mean, he was always in the shadow, unfortunately, of Gary Senior. Like, um, it, but if if he was, if there was no Gary Senior. Like Billy Brownless would look at him as being one of the great Geelong forwards, yeah, you know, was, or yeah. ever, you know, because he was his numbers are fantastic, you know, but he was always playing second fiddle, um, unfortunately to to um, to Gary Senior. But yeah, he, he was a good he was a good player, but yeah, he wasn't the smartest <laughs> player that I've played with either. Can't believe he didn't go into politics. I know he had four A, yeah, it was very unfortunate. Yeah, but obviously uh, he would have had the Dane Swan approach to maybe post post training. Yeah, yeah, he um, and still does has a few, has a few beers. Loves, um, <laughs> yeah, he enjoys himself. Yeah, he's gone he's, well. Yeah, he he didn't really enjoy training that much. And what what made the cats great? I, I just uh, in my media role, I was lucky enough to go to. I think it was called the Wags. Is that Melbourne Geelong yep. supporters? And and f- when Brian Cook got the gig, yep. And it, so it was a close shot, but he said we I've identified we are very good at being middle of the road. Yeah, and that's what we need to change. And so, from a player's perspective, what what did you see change there? Well, probably the same thing. I reckon Ralphie it was it was almost like um, being content. And there's a few clubs I won't name them, but you yeah. you'll, you'll come straight to front of mind when I say this. But there's a lot of clubs that are content just to compete um, and be middle of the road. But the great clubs are the ones that are just thirsty and desperate for success. And um, when Brian Cook came on board. Um, his mantra was good to great. There was that famous book that's, that a lot of corporate people refer to about turning your organisation from being a good, good organisation to being great. And part of that, or most of that, is people, getting the right people. Um, so Mark Thompson came in as coach um, and then that era of players that Stephen Wells brought into the club um, had this competitive uh, mindset that nothing was going to beat us. And a bit like what Swanee said before, the... The young players came in with a, a desire to win. You know they were um, they were fantastic, and you know guys like Bartell, James Kelly, Joel Corey, Corey Enright, Matthew Scarlett, Tom Harley, uh, Steve Johnson, Chapman. Paul Chapman, Cam Mooney came from from um, the Kangaroos. Um, there's probably another half a dozen I've missed. You know, what's your favourite Scarlett story? Oh, I've got a million. The thing <laughs> the thing I didn't like about Scarlett because we played in the back line together, yeah. and then I actually coached him was. Um, when we'd walk out to our positions pre-game, whoever I was playing on, he would start sledging it. <laughs> and as you know, with some guys, a sledge can actually fire him up. I can actually get him in a in a really nasty frame of mind, you know. And so, it, and I said, just say to Scarlo, mate, can you can you sledge your own your own opponent? Like, just lay off my guy a bit, can you? Like, um, but I, I don't know. He he was the best. He's probably the best sledger. No, nothing comes front of mind at the moment, yeah. but um, See, and Swanee was good team. too. What's that? See the best fullback. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I, I, I've got a soft spot for Silvani. Yeah. Only because in the modern game he would get so much more help, Silvani, right? Yeah. With the, all the opposition defenders flooding back and the midfielders getting back inside fifty. But when you watch that vision back in the eighties and the nineties, it was Silvani one on one with Dunstall yeah. one week, and then um, Ablett, and um, then Lockett. Yep. Uh, Paul Salmon, like every week, he'd have an absolute superstar to play on in time and space. Yes. Um, so I think yeah, Silvani is the fullback of the century yeah. in the AFL team of the century. Um, Scarlett's the fullback, I think. Um, in that they do that sort of modern, who's the best fullback of the last sort of 20, 30 years? I yeah. think he's 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 definitely right up there. And Swanee obviously had Ed all the way through. What was the Frank Costa influence like at Geelong? Yeah, he was great. Um, 
Yeah, he was incredibly supportive. I, I don't know what a, what a president does, though, to help you have success on field. I think what he does, exactly what I've mentioned before, he green lights uh, or approves when the coach or the CEO says we need to bring a person in or we need to... like the. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Obviously, but running the board, you've got to, with governance and all those sort of things, you've got to, they've, they've got to, they've got to give approval to, to the way things are going to be done, you know, or bringing, bringing people in. But Frank was incredible. You know, he's... Um, devoted his life really this yeah. uh, that last part of his life he devoted to the Geelong Footy Club he was he was incredible uh, mate appreciate you coming in uh, so Bull and Tigers and we'll hear you here on SEN in uh, 2023 yep and out at Mentone Grammar so um, yeah I'm looking forward to that role as well it's going to be good good stuff Brent Thanks, Sands mate. thank you